You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning, everybody. I invite you to find your scriptures before you, and if you don't have one with you, find one in the chair in front of you. We're going to be going a lot of places today, and I'd love for you to join with us in doing that. And uh, you can head to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 for now. We're not necessarily going to stay there, but that's where we'll start. Luke 1, 26 through 38. We've got a picture up from last week that Keegan turned in. Where's Keegan at? There he is. Keegan Lunning gave me this. Keegan's got a beautiful house over here with the blue roof and the yellow door. And then Keegan told me last week the picture on the right is perhaps how some of you felt as we covered the area of textual criticism. It's a maze, right? It's kind of... The guy's going here and there and everywhere, and eventually he does get down to, is that his house down there, Keegan? No, okay, bad guess. It's, he gets somewhere, though, so uh, that might have been how you felt, but uh, Keegan, thank you for your picture. appreciate you turning those in. Uh, my goal in this Christmas series, we're talking about God's good and gracious gifts. That's kind of... We've got gifts. I don't know if we've done this in other years, but there's gifts here, and we're opening gifts and thinking about God's gifts, but that's what we're thinking on. By no means are we covering all of them. We're covering a few of them as we go. Uh, Last week, we were looking at the gift of Scripture that God has given to the church, to us, His revelation from His Word. We looked at the ending of Mark and then looking through God's gift of Scripture and his, um, what he's provided for us by his breathing out of the scripture. Uh, and this week we turn to the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us as a gift of God. So with that in mind, let me read then Luke 1, 26 through 38, a familiar Christmas account uh, here of, of the announcement to Mary. I'll read this and then we'll pray again together. So let's hear God's word. Starting verse 26 of Luke 1, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed 
from her. Let's pray again. Thank you, Lord, again for coming in the flesh, Jesus Christ, for revealing this account through your scriptures and revealing it by your spirit. And I echo what Dave has already prayed, Lord, that your spirit would work amongst us. As we read this scripture, we're not reading a mere book. We're reading your words. And yet we want to read them in a way, Lord, and we want to be touched in a way by the spirit that we would be led to the majesty of Jesus Christ again. So help us in that. Lead us along, Lord, where we need to believe something strongly, where we've been doubting, Lord, help us to do that. Where there's a conviction or a need for change that you've been working on us and we have not been in obedience to that. Father, bring that to light, that we would walk in the fullness of of you and who you are. And then, Lord, that we'd be a light to the world. So guide our time together by your Spirit, we would pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I am pretty sure today there is one item that I'm going to take a guess you've never put on a Christmas wish list, at at least a wish list made to your close family or a spouse or something like that. Have you ever put down on your Christmas wish list, I would like the gift of the Holy Spirit? I don't know if you've ever done that. I have not on a list to a family. I would like the gift of the Holy Spirit. The question is, can we make that request, that Christmas list type request of God? Or does that seem bold to ask for the Holy Spirit, this gift? Today in Scripture, we're going to look at something that by God's Holy Word, we're invited to ask for and to seek and to knock. And it is really God Himself. It's God, the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that passage in a bit where I'm getting that from. What are we talking about writing Christmas wish lists and gifts of the Spirit? We'll look at it, but I want to talk, just take a little bit of time to speak briefly, generally, about the gift of the Holy Spirit and to think of the Spirit in terms of His work in the life of... We're going to look at three parts, really. The, the, The Spirit's work in the life of Jesus, starting with even the Christmas story, the work of the Spirit in the life of Jesus, how, how the Spirit works, what gift we have in the Spirit in our own lives as believers, and then finish with this idea of what does it mean to ask or, or this command or, uh, that we can ask for the Spirit. So we're going to be looking at those three things as we go and finishing in Luke 11. Uh, like I said, any study like this, it's going to take us through a lot of different scriptures. I would love to fill this room uh, with the noise of pages turning or iPhones clicking on and finding where you need to go. But um, find a Bible, and I won't make it too hard. We're not going to look. I'll, I'll tell you where it'd be good to, to look. You can look at others or write them down, but we're looking at the Holy Spirit. This could be a, a year-long project, a uh, year-long sermon series, but it's one day, and there's no clock again back there, so that's good. We're, we're going okay. And, uh, but you can look those things up. So I'd encourage you to do that. We'll start where I had you uh, here in Luke chapter 1, and in particular verse 35, you may have seen it already. Here in the verse 35 of Luke 1, the angel answers Mary. You know, Mary's, how is this going to be? And uh, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy 
the Son of God. I'm not sure how much you've considered the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in celebration of Christmas. That's what we have going on here in this passage. Uh, Amongst others, the the Holy Spirit's going to take a virgin, someone that's not officially married, and it's going to come upon her, and the power of the Most High will overshadow her, and a child will be born. And because of the way in which the child is born, the child will be called holy. Sinclair Ferguson has written a great book on the Holy Spirit, and he traces the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, and he names three stages that we see of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Jesus. I'm kind of summing them up, but one's kind of surrounding this that we've been looking at, his birth, another kind of the the life, the ministry of Jesus, and then towards the end of Jesus' life is death, resurrection, and his ascension. And looking at those three areas of seeing the Spirit's work in Jesus. And as Jesus comes, the incarnation comes in his flesh, the Holy Spirit is at work, is he not, from beginning to his going to glory. Thinking about his birth, we've looked at Luke's account here of the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, power of the Most High overshadowing her. Matthew has an account of Joseph and says in there before Jesus was born, says that Mary or she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. He's active, this third person of the trinity active in the birth the angel tells joseph that which is conceived in her in mary is from the holy spirit and so uh, sinclair ferguson sees these actions of the holy spirit really both showing a new creation as the holy spirit overshadows uh, mary as the most high overshadows kind of in the same way the spirit was overshadowing uh, creation and the beginning of genesis or overshadowing uh, the people of Israel as they were in the Exodus. And so he sees this really, this time of Jesus and the Holy Spirit as, in a sense, a new creation. And we see that going on. Here's, there was the first Adam, now the, the second Adam, the life-giving Adam has come. There's this new creation, and there's this new Exodus going to take place here, God's people from their sin. And so there's a new movement of creation an exodus and the birth of Jesus, and it's by the Holy Spirit here. Well, what about later on in Jesus' life? As we think about the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life, in particular his baptism, his temptation. Uh, Luke chapter 3 says that when Jesus was baptized by John and he was praying, remember the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. It was there at Jesus' baptism. Luke 4 speaks of Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? He got full of the Holy Spirit and he was led out into the wilderness to temptation. Led out for 40 days and he faced that by the devil. Full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus begins his ministry even. He stands up in the synagogue. And he reads from Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. I'm summing up some, but liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, liberty for the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit was at work anointing Jesus in his ministry. So birth, ministry, 
What about the end? What about His death and His resurrection and His ascending to the Father again? Hebrews 9 speaks then of Jesus. says, Through the eternal Spirit, offering Himself without blemish to God. Through the eternal Spirit, Jesus offered Himself to God. The work was not just on His own. Through the Spirit, the Spirit was at work. Even think of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he's praying, not my will, but your will be done. He's praying with them. He's telling his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what are they to do? They're to watch and pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation. And the spirit was at work in Jesus, in his willingness to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. It's amazing. Here we find Jesus. We think, well, he's the son of God. He has this relationship. Does he need to pr- we see him praying? Jesus models, he prays before his crucifixion. I believe he needed the Spirit's power. Romans uh, 8, 11 speaks of the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. So there's an aspect of the Spirit raising Jesus from the dead. I want you to go to John 14, and we'll be in John 14 uh, and thereabouts a little bit. So if you found Luke... Matthew, Mark, Luke, next one's John. Go to verse, uh, sorry, chapter 14. And I'm going to look at verses 15 through 18. So John 14, 15 through 18. Jesus is teaching his disciples. Now we're going back a little bit before he's crucified, but he says this, and he says it with some lasting effect here. If you look at verse, uh, starting in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I thought he was just talking about the spirit of truth coming, but he says, I won't leave you. I will come to you. Well, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus does ascend to the Father. He tells his disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has Come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's Acts 1. The Spirit who comes at Pentecost is in fact the Spirit of Christ who will dwell with His children. That might sound kind of confusing. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is distinct in the person third of the Trinity. There's a sense in which this is the Spirit of Christ coming. We'll see about the Spirit's goal in this. But here's what Sinclair Ferguson says. From womb to tomb to throne, the Spirit was the constant companion of the Son. As a result, when He, the Spirit, comes to Christians to indwell them, He comes as the Spirit of Christ in such a way that to possess Him is to possess Christ Himself, just as to lack Him is to lack Christ that make sense hopefully so i think why take time to examine the spirit's 
work in the life of Christ. Why see that? Because this same Spirit who was working in Christ is the same Spirit who works in us. He was at work in the life of Jesus. He works in our lives who have been called by God to believe in Him. The same gift that led Jesus in His ministry, that filled Jesus, that gave Jesus power, it's the same Spirit that lives in us and it's by God's gracious hand. And so we can enjoy Him and we can enjoy the gifts that the Spirit gives to us as believers. If you're in John 14, just look a couple pages further at John 16. Jesus has talked about His coming and well, the Spirit's coming and, it's, and He will come in the sense of the Spirit of Christ will come. And look at John 16 then, verses 12 through 14. Now there, I think there's some other places in here speaking about the Spirit. And we're not hitting on them all today, but a few places. So John 16, uh, 12 through 14, Jesus continuing says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14 gives his kind of this purpose. What's the marching orders of the Spirit amongst us? He will glorify me. He will glorify Christ, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See how he's applying what Christ does? Verse 15, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You want to know the Father? Do you want to know the Son? Through the Spirit of Christ to know them. The Spirit is sent to glorify the Son. It's the Spirit that illumines Christ in the life of the believer. I've got a short list here of what I think could be added to of just what we have been given as believers in Christ, what we have been given by the Spirit. I have six of them here. And like I said, I think there could be more. One, the Holy Spirit gives life in Jesus. John 6, Jesus speaks of feeding on Him. He says, I am the bread of life. And later, Jesus then says, He says that it is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The Spirit gives life to those dead in sin. Titus 3.5 similarly says, uh, speaks of the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom God poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. They're, they're connected. There's not this Holy Spirit's over here, God the Father here, the Son. They're, they're connected. I understand they're persons and yet there's a trinity and there's a working. There's an equality. There's roles, but there's equality. And so... You have the Spirit. You're regenerated, and He pours out on us richly, Jesus Christ. Number two, another pouring, and I want you to go here, Romans 5. We're just keeping it easy. Keep going right in your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 5, 5 through 8. I love to hear those pages turning. Thank you. Thank you. That's great to see. I want you to... You see the Scripture. Test what is said. This is a good thing to do. Um, so number two, talk about the Holy Spirit giving life. Number two, the Holy Spirit pours out on us God's love 
in Christ. Just look at this. And we, we see these. These are familiar places, but it's just neat to come and say, well, what gift do we have? Well, how is the Holy Spirit a gift? Here it is. And let me just read. I'll just start at 1 and, and read a little bit here. So Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Holy Spirit is God's way of pouring His love into our hearts. It says, for we were, while we were, uh, it continues, verse 6, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see the connection? There's this, God's love poured into our hearts through the Spirit, but it's connected to Christ. It's not apart from Him. Because verse 8, God shows His love for us. Well, how do we even see? Well, it's poured through the Spirit, and we see it in Christ who has died for us. So the Holy Spirit pours out on us God's love in Christ. Number three, the Holy Spirit is our, our guarantee of being in Christ for eternity. He's our guarantee of being in Christ couple places on that we won't look at but there's a surety of our salvation by the spirit number four the holy spirit enables us to understand what god has given us to understand it i'll read first corinthians 2 12 says this now we have not we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We have received the Spirit of God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. It's in a chapter where Paul speaks, at least in this chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul's speaking about boasting in Jesus Christ. I, I knew nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then in the same chapter, there's the spirit of revelation that's going on. And it says at the end of that chapter, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There's this interweaving of the gift of the Spirit, understanding, revelation to see what, or better, whom? To see Christ. Number five, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Maybe not like those we think of that are all wrapped under a tree, but he gives gifts to the church. First Corinthians 12 talks about that. He gives spiritual gifts to the body. What's the body called? It's the body of Christ. There's this interweaving spirit promoting, glorifying Jesus Christ. Number six, the Holy Spirit bears Christ-like fruit in us. Uh, years ago, I saw that. Let me just read the verse where this comes from. And, and it's just been encouragement. I, Probably I remember it because I hadn't seen this before. Maybe you've seen it all your life. But Galatians 5, um, 22 through 24, you don't need to go there, but you'll recognize it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, remember that? We won't sing the song, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then it says in verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There's a fruit bearing that the Spirit is giving to us, that He bears fruit, but He bears fruit in Christ-likeness, that we're becoming like Christ in what the Spirit is doing within us. Those are six. There's more of what the Spirit gives for believers. Is Claire Skifter still in here? Claire, can you come up here? I asked Claire, and I want her to open this week's gift. What could it be? Are you okay opening a gift today? Come on, join me here. You can open this gift. We're thinking about God's good and gracious gifts, and you can rip it, or you can be nice about it, but I would rip it. And you can open it right now, so go for it. See what's in there. It's a nice box. Oh, you're very, very orderly. Thank you. You can just set it there. Okay, can you get that open? It's got some tape. Can I open? I'll help you with that. There you go. Open it up and see what you can find in there. That doesn't look like a gift. That looks like wadded paper. Can you see what's in there? Thinking about how God has gifted the church with his Holy Spirit, there might not be ways to show that, but can you hold that up for them to see what's in there? It's a little ornament, another ornament. I think those are fake plants. They're not real. But they demonstrate something that the Spirit does in us. He grows us clear, and he grows us to Christ-likeness, that we grow up like these plants, and we bear fruit in Christ-likeness. And it's a spirit that does that in us. You can hang on to that. Thank you. You can head back to your seat if you want. And I'll pick up the mess later. How good is that? We have a wonderful gift in what God has given. Um, Say, how do I grow in the faith? How do I grow? It's the spirit all over the place. Um, I lastly want you to come turn to Luke 11, 1 through 13. And I'll just say I came to this passage uh, not by saying this is the best, but I came to it through my daily Bible reading. Perhaps you, if you've been on the two-year plan, you came there. And I love how God works that, and I came to it. I thought, this is interesting in terms of, I knew I was going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit and his gift, and so we're looking at Luke 11, 1 through 13. Here, one of Jesus' disciples has asked Jesus about prayer, and I'm just going to read it all till verse 13, and then we'll really look at verse 13. But just hear where this goes and what the teaching is in this. Luke 11, starting verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend? Uh, Let's see, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, or I think persistence there, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg i don't know if you've asked for an egg but just culturally go with it it's it's an egg ask for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This entire section's on prayer. It's asking, seeking, knocking, communicating with God in heaven. It begins with the teaching of Jesus on his, for His disciples. Here's how to pray. And then this illustration of the, the persistence of a friend to say, I need bread, I need bread, I'm persistent. Kind of this, and after a while, the friend will just say, fine, here's your bread. And then to this illustration of this father, this earthly father, that when the son asks for a fish, knows what to give him, or or an egg, or whatever, good thing. The the father, who who Jesus says, the father who who are evil, they they know how to give good gifts. How much more does the father know how to give good gifts to his children, and that being namely the Holy Spirit. So we might ask here, why the Holy Spirit? Out of all the good gifts that we might want from the Father, you've got a chance to ask. He's saying, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Out of all those, why would the Father give his Holy Spirit. And I believe it's because of this. The Spirit is the eye-opening, heart-softening, gaze-enabling worker and helper who brings us to God. Specifically, he brings us to the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Spirit brings us to Jesus. When ask for something good, Ask for the Spirit that He would bring you to who? The one He loves to bring you to, Christ Jesus. John Piper comments on evangelism and how the Spirit exalts Christ, and he says this, The Holy Spirit, we might say, flies in perfect formation behind the jet of the Christ-exalting gospel. You know, fly in a formation, they fly together. He does His miraculous heart-opening work to make Christ seen and savored as he has preached in the gospel. The Spirit was sent to glorify the Son of God, 
And He will not save anyone apart from drawing their attention to the glory of the Son in the Gospel. I don't believe Scripture points to the giving of the Holy Spirit so that we can exalt in our Spirit-given gifts. Look at this gift. The Holy Spirit not given simply for us to read the Bible better or to have some sort of power that exalts us. The gifts, the understanding of the Bible, the power, the fruit all point to some one. They point to Jesus Christ. And it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ. And so as the Spirit is at work in us, so we are to glorify and shine the light on Jesus. In Luke 11, it's in the context of prayer. And I think it's fitting for us to look at this verse here. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I I don't think this understanding, this asking is in terms of of a salvation, uh, but it's for those that are saved, those that have been given this new life from the dead by the Spirit are to pray and say, Lord, I desire Your Spirit to ask Him, to ask Him for that Spirit to lead us. Paul talks about be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with wine and you think, you know, well, that's pretty pleasurable and I think that was his point. Don't be filled with this pleasurable thing Be filled with the greater pleasure of Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. And so we can ask, and Paul even in his book, prays for them that they would see that they would be strengthened with power through God's Spirit. So I'm going to ask us to just take a minute. In the time we have, I'm going to just be quiet up here. But would you do that with me? To just pray this Christmas season... Lord, here's this gift. You've given the Spirit. I see all the things. You've given me life and eyes, and you've shown Christ to me. Lord, would you just fill me with your Spirit more? To For why? Not to go about and I'm an excellent Christian now. because I No, it's that we see and get this vision for the greatness of Jesus, the one thing, the one person whom we need to worship and see. So let's spend some time in prayer. I just right there, just ask the Lord, Father, show me. Do what, do what Luke eleven thirteen says. I'll just read it and then I'll be silent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Father, we're asking and seeking and knocking because only because you've invited us, unworthy sinners, to your table by your Spirit. You've given those here that believe in Christ life to see you and to call out even more. And Lord, I would pray for any in this room right now that do not have that life, that have not seen the glory of Jesus Christ and His salvation, that You would flood the doors open 
by your spirit to show them Jesus Christ, especially during this season of Christmas. And Lord, for us that have known him, and yet perhaps our hearts have grown cold, and we find ourselves desiring other gifts, other things, Father, forgive us, and by your spirit, lead us to Jesus, the most supreme gift of all, our Savior who reigns eternally, whose blood covers our sins, who is Emmanuel, God with us, who walks with us and leads us to the glory of God. So, Father, we're praying for your spirit to do a work amongst us this Christmas for your glory, that we might shine the light of the glory of Jesus Christ, enabled by your spirit to do this.